0: Hi, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources, so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles, and then found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Dr. Tim McGinnis. I'm the Managing Director of the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. Today, I'm standing in as a mirror image of Debbie Montgomery Johnson. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to have a conversation with a couple of survivors of relationship scams, specifically romance scams, being that particular flavor. And what we're going to talk about is just ever so briefly scams themselves, but I'd like to explore today something that we've not explored in much detail, and that is what does recovery actually mean? What does it feel like from the inside out? What do survivors of relationship scams, truthfully, financial fraud, because these are An incredibly serious crime and it's important that we enunciate that clearly, that we use the right vocabulary because vocabulary controls much about the way we think and as a result if we use minimizing or inappropriate or blaming terminology this has an impact not only on survivors themselves but also in effect granting permission to other people who may not understand this phenomenon to blame the victims themselves and remember victims of financial fraud are not to blame for what happened to them these criminals are extraordinarily sophisticated they use very well developed scripts processes techniques to Target an individual to groom them to manipulate them and ultimately to control them to allow the criminals to harvest their money or their assets uh, or in some cases to control them into being an unwitting accessory to the criminals crimes and it's important to remember that victims are not to blame they should not feel shame or guilt or self-doubt because this was done without their consent, without their control, and it's always important to remember these and vocabulary is the starting point for establishing this mindset going forward which is so important in the recovery of every individual because honestly, uh, and don't you hate it when people say honestly, um but I say it for emphasis every victim who's come out of a relationship scam and a relationship scam by the way is defined very simply it's it's a form of financial fraud that is based upon a trust relationship between the victim and the criminal executing the, the crime. Now, there may be more than one criminal executing the crime. It could be a team, and often these criminals will adopt different roles if there are different persona involved in in the, uh, the crime, or they may stage themselves where one individual criminal performs a part of the crime such as the the introduction and grooming phase and then another may perform the deeper manipulation and then finally there may be a closer who does the control to ultimately harvest the money from the from the victim so today joining me are two seasoned survivors now one of them uh, Miss Ontario is reaching uh or just passing her six-month point in recovery and we're going to talk a little bit about what recovery actually means and then also joining me is miss texas uh 1898 just joking sorry about that uh miss texas has been through a unique experience and uh miss texas how long has it been since your scam ended
2: Uh, Three years and three months ago. So it ended in the end of February of 2019.
1: Okay. So relax. This is just going to be a conversation. No pressure, right? So grab yourself a a, a screwdriver and double shot of vodka, and we'll begin the conversation. Um, So Ms. Texas has been through a little bit of a different cycle. She went through the early stages, the mid-stages, the more advanced stages and had the benefit of facing one of the criminals actually in federal court and seeing that person sentenced for more than a decade in federal prison. So, not often do survivors get to experience the justice side of things, but you know, as we're going to talk about The criminal justice system doesn't provide closure. The only thing that provides closure is really the ability to fully accept that you're the victim of a criminal who willfully and without your consent targeted you, victimized you deliberately, and left you sort of by the side of the road so to speak with not a care in the world about what happened afterwards and left it up to each person to recover from this experience. And again, I apologize to both of my guests, Miss Ontario and Miss Texas, if I say things that are triggering because truth is, when you experience a significantly trauma traumatic event, um, those triggers can remain for years, long period of time. But with time and with focus, you can dull the triggers down to the point where often it will just be a momentary reaction. So, maybe let's start with Miss Ontario. Um, you know, one of the things that we say is that romance scam victims were not in love with the criminal. But yet the reality is, you had feelings for them because they expertly groomed their victims triggering what are called amygdala hijacks sometimes called love bombs Uh, and they do this with a specific intent and they do it with a certain frequency so that it repetitively triggers hormone and neurotransmitter responses in the brain to achieve a feeling that is very much like love. Many uh, psychologists will tell you that when you feel butterflies in the stomach, that's not love. That's hormones. True love comes through a long-term trust relationship, but trust me, I am no expert in that, having been through my own number of relationships. So, But I take this very seriously because as managing director of scars we provide financial fraud victim recovery services to help individuals make it through this process alive and and when i say that i'm not actually joking because 15 to 20 people take their life every day as a result of these crimes and I don't know if we want to bring that topic up um, if if either of you feel comfortable talking about some of the thoughts that you may have had during the course of the time period after the scam. This is not a support call, what we're trying to do is, is help people understand how profound these experiences are on their victims, and in many respects how after the scam ends, that's just the beginning. Because then the real gravity, the real consequences begin to set in, and how profoundly difficult that can be. So, you know, I don't want to distress either of you, so if if you can't talk about it, it's okay. No harm, no foul. So let's start with Miss Ontario. Um, this is a little bit fresher for you so can you kind of tell the audience a little bit about where you were emotionally right after the scam end first can i ask did it end in this the criminal ghosting you or did you simply block them without confronting them did you confront it was there hostility We don't get need to get into the deep, dark details of that if you're uncomfortable with it, but. um, So. Can you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like for you?
3: um, Thank you, Dr. Tim. I'm my scam lasted six months and I am six months recovery now. And congratulations
1: I, on that, by the way.
3: Thank you. Thank you. I I am I'm proud of that. Uh, I am proud of that with, and I've worked extremely hard at this. I will tell you because one of the first questions you were kind of saying is about the feelings. I absolutely felt love and affection in the fraudulent relationships um, by these criminals. And I say criminals because I know now there was five people in I feel five people, uh, not just one, I feel there were five people, one being a woman. And um, I know that the criminal's intent was to defraud me, but what I did feel was real emotion and it was created against my will and it was through expert manipulation. And how mine ended, I ended it. Uh, When I realized I didn't even use the word scam, it hadn't even entered my head, I was thinking, these are, this is a predator. That time I thought it was one, a predator. I went to the police. It took me three times going to the police before I actually got out of my car to walk into the police station with a whack of documents saying, um, I, I, I'm a, I think I was mumbling through my words and crying. I need to see someone. I wanna tell my story, I, I have a predator after me and I will only tell my story to one person, one person only and I want it to be at sergeant's level and I will only tell the story once. And um, the sergeant came to me and then I unraveled like Humpty Dumpty, I was broken into a million pieces. And when the, when the light came on that this wasn't, I wasn't even using the right word, I did not have hindsight because I did not have the knowledge. I realized it was a scam at the extreme level, and I never ever give away money. So it was profound the manipulation that was used on me that I gave money away. Not a person that gives money away, but I did. So I. Um, so what happened immediately following when I realized this is what it was? I guess not having connected with scars yet, but immediately they gave me a crisis worker right there at the police station. A crisis worker came right in to see me because I was on the ledge, seriously on the ledge. So they gave me a crisis worker right away, wouldn't let me leave the police station. I had a crisis worker. I had all the lifeline calls. I used all the lifeline calls. I was calling around the clock. My brain went completely I didn't have a brain there was no brain there was I couldn't retain anything my memory was gone and I knew I had a million things I had to do and I couldn't even form a sentence on how to do what I was supposed to do but um so I guess that was I then I I must tell you that I kept the um the criminal on the line for another whole week because he continued to call me and email me and all kinds of love stuff and I kept them on for a week. I didn't tell him, them, that I knew he was a scammer because I thought I've got, got him as live bait on the phone. So police and sergeants and detectives, I've got him, I've got him, you can come and get him. You would call that now, I know that was all I was scam baiting him for a week hoping that they could just catch him. They could just catch him. Why can't they catch him? I have him live. They couldn't do it. They, everything was so fake and all the documents I had on him was so fake. So after a week, I I just uh, texted him and said that um, um, I was finished. I was done and there would be no more. And, and I never heard from him again. Okay. Did that kind of answer that okay. question?
1: Yes, okay. completely. Let me stop you there so that, you know, you can take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a drink of coffee because okay. this is hard. So I think you said several things that were really interesting. And one of them is often in the days following a scam, people are in shock and everybody responds to shock, psychological shock, trauma in different ways. Uh, You know, there's There's four basic trauma responses, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Most people don't know about freeze and fawn, but most victims at that stage feel kind of an urgency to do something about it. Partly it's a desire for retribution, for revenge, although it may not be really characterized as revenge, but there's a desire for justice there. Something must happen, something must get done. Unfortunately, the continuation of contact with the criminals does more harm than good. And I know a lot of people out there completely disagree with it, fine, hate me. But the reality is that it's like, let me equate this to like traffic accidents, right? So you're in a serious traffic accident and miraculously you walk away from it pretty much uninjured Seat belts, airbags great things but then you feel this this urgency to get justice I was in an accident somebody has to pay right that that's a little bit the mentality that happens immediately following the scam and unfortunately then it's like you just spend your days looking at traffic accidents trying to figure out God's plan or the physics of the universe. Why does this happen? It's a search for answers in effect. So this search for answers can often be quite devastating in and of itself. In the case of scams, a lot of victims will just drown themselves in looking at scammer photos or trying to hunt them down to get answers. It's not always about revenge. Many times it's searching for the reason why things happen, because we don't know. And it's quite destructive psychologically to a, to a victim's ability to really put the event behind them and look to their future it's a bit like dragging an anchor if you're constantly looking over your shoulder into the past you cannot be looking into the future you cannot heal from something the 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 best analogy I know is if you've ever had a toothache a serious toothache abscess whatever the more you think about it the more it hurts Mm. in the reality the minute you forget about it pain goes away so All of of us have been there and done that. Well, those with bad teeth of one nature or another. And so the more you worry a wound, the more it's going to hurt. And the longer it's going to take for it to be overcome. Uh, We call this scam fixation. Victims following the crime become fixated in an obsessive way about trying to find answers but the answers are not in scammer photos. they're not in groups that focus on anger and hate towards these criminals the answer is in turning away and trying to recover emotional stability become centered and then focus on your future and it's really hard uh, Miss Texas, I know when your scam ended, because I know you, um, you also had difficulty for for quite some time in getting there. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that period, if you can still remember it. Trauma is one of those son-of-a-gun things that really screws with your ability to think. So does shock, but shock is trauma. Um, but shock is a more like you got a you got a, a hurricane going on in your head. So many things triggered by the emotional responses coming out of the amygdala and and other parts of that lizard brain are just squirming around, chatting all the time, and the logical part of your brain is kind of like whoa. Just going to take a step back and let all of you guys talk amongst yourselves for a while. But maybe you can talk about a little bit if, if you can recall that period when your scam ended and how you felt in maybe the first month or so. Ms. Texas? Okay.
2: <clears throat> so um, my scammer, there was about a month where You know, there was four different stages of my scam and that last stage, uh, supposedly he was in jail. So he was trying to get some more money out of me. And I was I mean, I was in debt badly and I really was not going to be able to help him at all. Um, Of course, they were trying to get me to take out to uh, reach out to family members and and I was not going to do that. And so after about a month, I, I, I told him, I said, I've, I've got to get my money back. You've got to repay me. And he told me, he said, um, well, it's complicated. And I said, well, what do you mean it's complicated? And he said, I'm a, I'm, I'm a poor man from Africa. And my world just completely shattered at that point. Um, I think Debbie Montgomery says it well, when she says that there was a lot of pink flags. And I think that we all might relate to that. And so at that point, I just, my feelings inside were completely, they were frozen, but at the same token, I was always shaking inside. I'm amazed I was still able to think through work. Work was actually an out for me. But besides work, I'm like, oh, my God, this is just horrible. And there were times where I didn't want to. I got I I thought in the morning, how am I going to live through this? And. There was, how should I, should I end this? Can I end this? Um, so those suicidal, I'm not gonna say, I, I just don't know how I actually, I don't know why I'm still here on this earth. Let me just put it that way. Um, and that went on for about three months. I was very bad and I was not talking to anybody yeah, about yeah. it.
3: Yeah, it was yeah. all
2: inside. Um, I did look for victims. Uh, I started looking for some support though online and that's how I found scars.
1: Thank
2: you. So if it wasn't for scars, finding scars right away, again I honestly don't think I'd be here right now. Right. And You know, when you, and then I did keep myself busy though. Uh, I worked a part-time job Ubering for the first nine months after the scam. And I think that really helped me because it was a distraction. And it also helped me to try to start paying off some of these debts that I had accumulated. So that was helpful. And it wasn't until um, the winter of that year that I reached out for some trauma counseling.
1: But I think the the Uber is particularly important. Because often is the case that when you're going through that shock and that initial reaction, self isolation is a very heavy toll on on all scam victims. Uh, And Suicidal thoughts are not uncommon with a traumatic experience, uh, particularly one where you're overwhelmed with the consequences of what has happened. Uh, Other types of victims of crime experience the same thing. But, you know, kind of what you both described is this sort of reaction that it's, it's a reality shock you have a perception of the world the way it is and then all of a sudden that perception is shattered like a broken mirror. Kind of the equivalent of being a little kid and looking under the bed and there really is a monster there. Um, Although you always knew there was a monster so maybe that's confirmation but uh, but nevertheless we as adults have great difficulty because of our cognitive biases in accepting a world where there truly are monsters and yet everybody is fascinated by the monsters and in fact glorifies them you remember the series uh, inventing Anna for example Anna was a monster and yet it was the victims in that scenario even hating on each other but Anna was the true monster now was she mentally ill or was she a creature of her own invention don't know don't care because the reality is the impact is what matters and i'm pleased to say that the court you know finding her guilty reflected on that just like in in miss texas your case when the court addressed the criminal in the case it didn't matter whether he came from a poor african country or not he was a monster and you know, uh, Miss Ontario's term predator is a very accurate description. They're predators. That's the one euphemism I think that is really accurate about these criminals. They're predators, and they're no different than any other human predator. They have the ability to rationalize their thinking about, oh, poor me, I'm from a poor African country, you colonialists exploited us bullshit you're a criminal all criminals justify their 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 criminal deeds we're fortunate enough to have an extraordinary gentleman as an advisor somebody who i like personally brett johnson i'm a little offended by his current employer's choice of the word felon when they introduce him it's accurate but and it's very blaming, I prefer to think of him as a reformed criminal. I think that's a more apt description of him. So we understand the criminal mind quite well and how criminals justify these things. Um, Miss Ontario, you raised your hand a while back, you had a thought about what Debbie was saying.
3: Well, I I did have a thought. What Miss
1: Texas was saying.
3: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. so Miss Texas, when you were talking about suicide and thoughts, I certainly I had that. I had a plan, boy. I had such a plan for myself about uh, about suicide, and I was going to get that right. If I got nothing else right, I'd get that right. Um, and uh, I, I remember feeling that for quite a long time. You know, when I think about like the criminals in my case, they the profession of love the profession about God so much was about God and honesty and not even telling a white lie. And I, and I thought, Oh my goodness, he's this, this criminal is like a saint. He's, he's so like, so religious and so professes so much love. And I had to keep, I keep going, Oh my goodness. How could I be so worthy of this kind of person who made me feel beautiful inside and out and, and, when it ended um, the shame and the guilt that I felt I couldn't even I couldn't even stand straight I couldn't even look up my eyes were downcast I couldn't hold my head up I couldn't do any I was like a turtle in my shell I just was so completely broken it, beyond description how broken I was I want to though tell you how scars came into my life because I had a um, a crisis, there. A crisis worker right with me, and they had me. I had calls coming into me 24 hours a day, and um, uh, you know, not 20. I mean, they, they, I had lifelines, and I was using the lifelines a lot, and to. So then, it was through uh, my trauma therapist. I got a trauma therapist really quickly because I scored so high on the scale of um, severity that I got a trauma therapist really fast. And the trauma therapist is the one that told me, researched he came and said, there's this thing called scars. I said, well, OK, because I have a thirst for knowledge and that's how I connected with scars. I guess I got scars about connected into scars about three weeks after um, my scam ended. So between scars and my trauma therapist and my family doctor um, and uh, I knew then that I had a will to live. I was going to be a will to live. I was not going to be, um, in an obituary section. That's when I knew I will, you will not find me in the obituary section. I will live through this and I will come out of this. So, um, that's when I became addicted to everything about scars and all the guides and everything, because I needed it all around me all the time to come through, um, the horribleness of this, even in my criminal, of course my criminal got um, um, the virus dying, don't you know? Dying, absolutely dying. So um, what could I do about that? I mean, I bought that story that he was dying. I bought, he, he, you know, my my criminal made me the beneficiary of his will. I saw all these legal papers coming through to me, making me the beneficiary from fiduciary agents and everything I'm going, oh my, I don't want 10 million dollars like it was huge amount of money I don't want it I don't want it why are you doing this but that's uh the paperwork the the documentation that came forward to me about I was going to receive this and that and I didn't want any of that dear god I just wanted him to, them to live very complicated everybody's story is different but the layers of of the paperwork that came through to me that I thought, this has to be real. Look at the lawyer signatures. Look at all these forms I'm getting. Look at the fiduciary agent. Look at the contact I'm getting. The doctors are calling me. Anyways, um, that was part of the uh, my story towards the end.
1: Let, let me raise a different topic now because we want to talk a little bit about recovery. Yeah. In the SCARS Recovery Program, we have a variety of focuses that all run essentially parallel to each other and because of this sort of chaotic nature of new victims coming in and uh, people who've been with us for longer periods of time survivors it's it's a little chaotic in its aspect but it's sort of designed to be that way one of the things that we acknowledge and recognize that's really important is victims spend so much time with the criminals in chats and the rare phone calls and maybe the extraordinarily rare view on a video but mostly in chats 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 24 hours a day um, and of course we know that this is not just communication it's a manipulation and control mechanism too because they're going to send chats in the middle of the night. Of course, they're in Africa or wherever the hell they are. So they're out of sync from a clock point of view. But they also do this deliberately to deprive you of sleep. A sleep-deprived person is more easily controlled, manipulated in their reality, more easily altered. So when the scam ends, there's this huge void that you've spent Sometimes 40 hours a week in chats and conversations with these criminals during the course of the week that goes on for months. And then it just ends. Anybody who's had a relationship end knows what this feels like. you, You live in this void after it ends. And what do you do with yourself? And that's devil's playground, right? So one of the things that we do is... We've developed this extensive body of knowledge about the various granular aspects of these crimes from many different perspectives. We talk about the psychology of scams and breaking it down to things like in general discussion and individual discussions of particular cognitive biases, like one of them that everybody has is this thing called stranger trust. It's what the criminals know that they can count on to lure you in. Another kind of a cognitive bias is this thing called confirmation bias. And the criminals are really good about playing off of your biases and feeding you the information so that you self-confirm what you believe to be true. It's a real person, they're in love with you, and blah blah blah. Um, When the scam ends there's another cognitive bias that plays havoc called hindsight bias Uh, miss texas and also debbie montgomery talk about the pink flags well there were no flags you didn't see them you think you see them because of this thing called hindsight bias um children in the back row look it up on google so hindsight bias makes you believe that you saw things that weren't there. This is a trauma compensation mechanism to make you feel better so that you can heal and move forward. Didn't see them. Trust me. Nobody ever sees anything because we're humans and we're we're basically amoeba running around on two legs and thinking that we think. So The reality is you come out of this with a lot of stuff going on all of the baggage that you had going into the scam is still with you and worse so we focus on education why is education important rather than looking at a gazillion scammer photos which do nothing other than elicit emotional responses reinforce reinforcing those emotional memories and trauma and reactions instead we try to get people to read or look at non scammer face related videos and again we recognize that people learn in different ways reading is one reading is actually the best because reading occupies several parts of your brain and helps transfer control from the amygdala, from the lizard brain squirming around in the back of your head, to the frontal part of your brain, the monkey brain, um, that makes us intelligent. Although, octopuses are intelligent, and they don't have a frontal frontal lobe. But the point being is to help you fill your time after the scam ends, so that you're not left sitting there alone in the dark, Mm-hmm. With all of these gazillion thoughts through your head as you read, it can be very overwhelming in the very beginning because you get overloaded quickly. But as time goes by, your capacity to absorb more increases, and it becomes a substitute for the void that's left after the after the crime ended. Uh, Miss Texas, can maybe you talk about that a little bit? What are your thoughts?
2: So you know, first and foremost. I needed to know I wasn't alone because during the scam and then right after the scam, I felt like I was the only person in the world that this has ever happened to. So by me finding scars and seeing the posts on scars was so reassuring to me. But I think the first thing I connected to right away is the thought provoking questions that would be posted in, um, in, our really support groups. in our support groups. Yes, because right. that's what to me, I looked forward to on a daily basis. Um, I did realize that there is an addiction to these scammers. And you're absolutely right there because you spend so much time, you know, back and forth with them. So in that and Dorothy even mentioned this, too. So I looked forward to okay, what's what's the thought-provoking questions that are being asked today? So, and and what are people responding to? That to me was priceless. And I know that there were times where, um, you know, uh, people were not responding, but there was, and I know I've mentioned this before in previous conversations. So sometimes there would be a thought-provoking question that... At the time, I was just not able to write it down. But it didn't mean that I wasn't thinking about it. So sometimes we don't always, you know, we don't always get that response. And then as far as the articles went, you know, it really helped me to slowly, and I mean slowly, (laughs) understand what the heck happened, you know, because and i asked that question it, i mean 3 years in you know it t- I, I, what happened why did it happen right now how did i get myself into this mess
1: do so, you understand do you understand the why now
2: yes yes i do but it took a long long time and even though and we do need to hear it repeated over and over again that you know, you should not feel embarrassed, you should not feel ashamed. Well, it's easier said than done. I'm sorry, it just isn't. Absolutely right. You know, and, but, it needs to be said. And I had, when I, when I finally did, was able to go to court last fall, there was a huge, that huge weight of guilt finally got taken off of me. But, you know, it's not, do I still feel some shame? Absolutely. You know, um, but it's not to the degree that it used to be. So, I mean, it, it just takes time. I mean, that's, that's all this is. This was a, this was a, um, life changing impact on me anyway. Um, so I just, I'm so grateful for for this group to be there. I'm grateful for my trauma counselor because without the two of these together, I, I, I honestly don't know where I'd be. Uh, another thing I want to, um, you mentioned earlier about, um, I, I don't even remember how we brought it up, but, you know, I, I, when I think about the scammers, you know, I, I why did they do this? You know, and, and I have a real trouble with that because I'm an honest person. I'm a good, I try to be, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but, and you said something a long time ago, Dr. Tim, that really made so, so much sense. And I heard actually two different things. I heard one thing from you and I heard one thing from somebody else is that a rattlesnake is just a snake. They come along, they bite. It's just what they do. It's like the I old thought.
1: story of the frog and the scorpion, and the scorpion arrives at the river and can't cross, so promises the frog that if the frog carries him across the river, he won't sting the frog. Midway across the river, scorpion stings the frog, kills them both, and the frog asks in his final breath, why did you do this? And the scorpion answers, because I'm a scorpion.
2: Right. And, and, and that kind of goes back to... The only mistake that I know we make is we let the scammer in. We, re, we, we replied back to them. So it took me a long time to understand that and not take the whole thing on myself. And then the other thing, um, there's just bad in the world. There is just bad.
1: Pure I, evil.
2: There's just but pure evil. The worst and I,
1: evil isn't from malevolence serial killers are evil. But on a scale of one to 10, only five, in my opinion, as an anthropologist, I'm not a psychologist. Real evil in the world is ambivalence. It's good people turning a blind eye to evil deeds, whether it's a guard at Auschwitz. And I lost my great-grandparents in Auschwitz to you know whether it's it's a political party we are so full of our biases that we want to believe that often we don't take the time to really analyze is what I'm doing evil and it's important and the criminals of course And this is one of the weird things is people tend to put all of these criminals in a basket, and they're not. There are some big baskets. Nigeria's got well over a million of these criminals in their country. The majority of them are college students or college graduates. Mm -hmm. They're not guys half-naked sitting on a floor someplace in the middle of some shanty town. They work out of luxurious homes in Nigerian standards, and they justify what they do. You know, there is this perception of apologizing for the criminals. Never apologize for a criminal. criminal makes a decision to be a criminal. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are people at risk, but it's their upbringing, it's their parents that gave them the morality that they have and we have to put this in context um, as a friend of mine uh... pj e. rohan from about fraud says but in the context we have to be careful not to apologize for the criminals. poverty isn't the issue lack of opportunity isn't the issue because crime always pays better than any good job that you can get as a college graduate the only thing that pays better and some would argue that that is crime, is being an entrepreneur. So, unless you create a company that's wildly successful, no matter what you do, crime is going to pay better. But it comes with risks. But so does working in a real job. Everything that we do in life comes with risk, unless we're an acidic Buddha, sitting on the ground, afraid to move for fear of harming the insects that are around us. Unless we completely withdraw from the world, there are risks in everything that we do. But criminals need to own what they did. And Brett Johnson is a perfect example of somebody who did the time, who owned what he did, apologized for the world, and is trying to make the world a better place, utilizing the experience and the wisdom that he gained along the way. He's a good guy. Who did some bad things, and I can completely understand that, and have no difficulty acknowledging that. So, uh, Miss Ontario, mm-hmm. oh,
2: this is going to uh, be a good time okay, for me to go ahead. out.
1: Okay. Okay. So, thank you for joining us, Miss Texas. Appreciate you being on the call, and we're going to go another uh, nine, ten minutes, and. I think we've covered some incredible ground today so miss ontario picking up on on what debbie was talking about on the benefit of learning our approach in the support group and by the way the reason that we ask questions is specifically to create triggers because trauma has a way of fogging the brain of occluding hiding things from you and asking targeted questions often gives you an opportunity to think about it and recall certain memories that you might never have found again otherwise. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. So around the recovery for myself, I am, I have uh, worked really hard on recovery, and I could only do this with the combination of two things. My trauma therapist who, who helped me incredibly and scars because scars has been my education and I have written more in the last six months pen and paper of books and books and writing and writing and writing because I auditorily need to hear it I need to write it down I need to read it again and again and again and every time I read it, I I take more from it, all the booklets that SCARS has provided, whether, you know, some of the toughest ones, I think was the whole path of learning to love myself again. Was I worthy of that, of loving myself again? That was a hard booklet to complete um, because I realized how much work I needed to do in that area, recovering from the blaming myself and feeling guilty, you know, I've worked so hard on improvement and getting better. I could never have done it without the education of, of scars of being with other people on a Zoom call and seeing other faces of real people who have, who are intelligent women. These are not. We are an intelligent group of women. We are um, good people. That bad something bad happened to you know. I can, can I, I interrupt am,
1: you for one second. Yeah. You know you said something really interesting. Nobody in our experience in the 12,000 or so people who've gone through our support groups in one way or another over the years. Not one of them has been a stupid person. None of them are particularly intelligent. IQs are what they are, but they're all normal people. Some yes. of them are quite brilliant and the but none of them are stupid none of them are gullible none of them are naive even though that people use those words they don't apply and none of them are brainwashed and and i want to talk about brainwashed. god this is such an overused incorrectly used term and the the amateurs use it all the time but it's so derogatory for a victim brainwashing is for the purpose of changing a person's belief system. Mm. It's done forcibly. Brainwashing includes physical force. Now, an argument can be said that manipulation is force. It is a violation, yes. But the truth is, and this is a hard thing to accept, scammers don't force their victims. The devil never forces someone to sin they manipulate they control but they don't force and this is where the guilt comes in and the shame and the self-blaming comes in because when you look back at that you say well how could i have done this the scammer didn't force me to do it but their manipulation is even more powerful than the use of force no scam victim has been brainwashed because you come out of this with your belief system intact. That's the differentiator between brainwashing. Manipulation doesn't require you that you change your beliefs, it requires that you change your behavior, and your thought processes. So sorry. Ms. You know, it, Please continue. Uh,
3: I, I know, you know, mine was through plenty of fish. And I know that I Plenty
1: of fish the website.
3: Yeah. Yeah
1: or as yeah. we call it, plenty of frauds.
3: Exactly, plenty of frauds. And uh, I was a victim of a very sophisticated international fraud. It was non-consensual and I was completely under their control and I was groomed expertly by a group of criminals and, um, and uh, I was under their control until I was able to escape. Exactly, And I escaped and I'm here today, and I today can say I love myself again. Didn't know that was going to be possible to love myself again and to get back who I am. And I am wiser. I am grateful to, to scars and the recovery process, which I am still in. It's not over. No. I continue, I, it's absolutely not over. Um, there is, uh, you know, the financial recovery at my age isn't going to happen, but um, I am okay. I, it's different. It's different, but I am a survivor and I am proud of where I was to who I am today. I was on a slippery slope and and the scars, education, the guides, the posts, Absolutely is um been major in, in who I am today and how I've come out of it. And I wanted to talk to Dave because I want other people to know this happens, it happens to can happen to anybody, can happen and it happens to everybody. And I'm to have
1: two and a half million, million romance scam victims in 2021 in the United States alone.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah let me ask you a question.
3: Okay,
1: rolling back the hands of time back to the period right after the scam. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot of victims who become survivors. And we characterize a survivor as someone who has accepted the truth that they're a victim of a crime. Until you really get that wired into your head, you're not really a survivor yet, you're still a victim. But winding back the hands of time. You're now at the six month point. Could you have imagined early on that this would be as lengthy a process as it is?
3: I I did not know it would be this lengthy of a process. I, I knew I was damaged goods. I knew I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what recovery would be. I I it was a new field for me. I I didn't have, I didn't I had no benchmark on how long this was going to take. Because right. emotionally and mentally I was nothing. I was absolutely nothing when I came out of this. Financially bad. Uh, my everything in my self-esteem, every single thing about me and I'm not a spring chicken, was destroyed. It was baby step after baby step after baby step to recover. Um, So I know now I have a stretch to go, but I'm getting there, and it's long. It's a long process. It doesn't matter to me how much money somebody gave or how long they were in it, that's not, it doesn't matter whether somebody was in it for a year or gave huge money or less money. Everybody's case is um, their case and their story. And recovery is a long process. And if you you have to invest in it. You don't invest in it.
1: That's right.
3: Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. You have to do the work to get the benefit. It's a, a long journey and there are lions and tigers and bears, oh my, along the way, and flying monkeys and everything else that that goes along with this, to use the Wizard of Oz me- metaphor. But... And I,
3: I just want to make a comment about Debbie Montgomery. Debbie Montgomery, I read her book in the first... As soon as I heard of Debbie, I got her book and read her book. She is an amazing human being, amazing person, and... I just she's stand up and speak up this forum. God bless her.
1: Yeah. Indeed. Uh, mm-hmm. We're extraordinarily proud to count her amongst our SCARS board of directors and our, one of our SCARS officers. So we're extraordinarily grateful to have her. Um, Debbie approaches this from a different perspective than uh, my side of the house, which is more nuts and bolts and analytical and, Uh, Debbie comes at things from a more humanistic, motivational side. Of course, we're all certified life coaches as well. And the, the important part of this is that, you know, there are many sides to that. And that is one of those parallel sides. There's education, there's motivation, there's coaching. And what we do is to be the signposts along the yellow brick road that hopefully will get you to the Emerald City eventually, but some people will never get there because they never start. And and this is the great challenge with trying to provide recovery services to, to crime victims, online financial fraud victims, that they allow themselves to be so distracted and derailed by the snake oil salesmen, the amateurs that are out there, who have no idea what they're doing. They're so full of anger and hate that they're incapable of even admitting that they're victims. I was ripped a new one, so to speak, recently because we we published a position paper on why amateur groups are so harmful to a victim's recovery. They do serve some purpose for victims to be able to discover what the that they're in a scam. But looking at pictures is, is not a reliable way to prove it anyway, because nobody has a catalog of every stolen photo that exists. There are billions of them. We've got a catalog of a million photos, and we'll never be done. We add thousands a month, but that's because we have to because otherwise those victims that are in that frenetic cyclone of of searching for answers who want to look for photos okay but we put a big glaring advisory this may increase your trauma if you do this we're not going to stop them but neither are we focused on that in any way shape or form we encapsulate them in a video so And it goes by really, really quick because we don't want them fixating on this.
3: I only ever looked at the photos once. It was on the site, of course. I looked once. I went, oh, dear. And I I never went back to it. Never wanted to look at it. Absolutely never.
1: Best case scenario, it happens in in the days or the weeks after the scam ends. And then you learn Mm -hmm. through our teachings that no it's not good for you it's it's a bit like being an alcoholic and holding AA meetings in a liquor store it just doesn't work and and if you think about it it's logical that it doesn't work but people are so invested in their anger that they cannot see the light and unfortunately that's one of the reasons why only about a third of scam victims will successfully recover They will have dealt with their trauma they will have dealt with their baggage that they brought into this counseling is not only to recover from a scam but it is to help you repair your resiliency that has been so damaged by this event so that you can live a happier healthier life into the future and not regret not feel ashamed not feel burdened with guilt yeah
3: yeah. And, and trauma therapy uh, brought up for me past things in my life that I had never, ever said out loud. So um, trauma therapists, it all came out. Things that were way hidden way in the back that I'd never spoken to to anybody ever. Yeah. That were significant trauma events. Yeah.
1: You know, the, the analogy is you have a bad traffic accident, and you're injured and you go in the hospital and they find you have cancer.
3: Mm.
1: Not a pleasant thought, but it is the notion that this is an opportunity. Stupid as that sounds, this is an opportunity to give your brain a tune up. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: If you take the opportunity.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you, Miss Ontario. This has been an extraordinary conversation very appreciative of your time. I hope that this was not too triggering and that hopefully you might have gained some insights today. Um, Do you have any final thoughts before we close this?
3: I so appreciate being asked to be to participate in this. It was my time. I was wanting to, I needed to do this. I did it for selfish reasons. I wanted to do it because I was ready to do it, wanted to do it. I knew that this would help me today. You know, I'm here for a reason. I want, I want to play it, pay it forward. I have a long way to go, but I do try now. And I do I live fully present. I do like life. And I know that I'm brave and I know I'm courageous. I know I'm vulnerable, but I am here. And I hope that my messaging and what we talked about today reaches to out to people to listen and hear. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much. Okay. That is the key characteristic of recovery is you have to show up. Mm -hmm. You have to do the work. You have to learn. You have to pay attention to the reasons why this happens. And the truth is, we do have answers for all of it. Everything is knowable. There, it wasn't voodoo or juju. There's no magic involved in how scams happen. It's human psychology. Our brains are wired the way they are. We are inherently scammable. <laughs> dogs and so are octopus. You can scam a cat. And it's funny to watch their reactions when they get scammed, bait and switch, and all the rest of that good stuff. But it is part of the human experience that our biases lead us down paths that are wrong and that is the uniqueness of the human experience that we can if we choose to understand why the mistake was made and how to retrace our path or across a field and get back on the right path criminals can also change they can also be reformed but they're not you know we can say they're monsters but the truth is they're just humans too that have so deluded themselves through their rationalization that what they're doing is acceptable we do talk to some of them over time that realize their mistakes and leave it because they can't deal with it anymore i'm not apologizing for criminals but i do recognize that we're all human beings and that our brains don't often work the way we think they do so thank you miss ontario for being with me today Uh, my name is dr tim mcginnis managing director of society of citizens against relationship scams inc uh, you can learn more about scams, scammers, fraud, criminals, and victim recovery on romancescamsnow.com. Our corporate website is againstscams.org. I encourage anybody to look us up, verify who we are with the state uh, database for the state of Florida, where we are incorporated as a nonprofit. We are a global NGO supporting. Victims of online financial fraud scams worldwide. Uh, There is no such thing as race, gender, creed, religion, or national origin in our world. We support everybody around the world, regardless of their faith, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of their skin color, because every victim has the same shade of pain. And that's what we're here to help with.
0: Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, Make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by Benfocomplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfotimian products at Benfocomplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.